everyone. Welcome to the Latch Mama podcast. This is April. I am here as my, uh, this is my first opportunity to host and I'm so excited to have Lauren Robinson with us today. Um, October is National, uh, or it's uh, Down Syndrome Awareness Month. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Um, Okay, so first question I just wanted to ask you is, um, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your story and your daughter's story? Okay. Um, I have a daughter who she's five and a half. Her name is Nora. She is the light of my life. Um, She was... uh, Born, we got a birth diagnosis of Down syndrome. We didn't do any genetic testing beforehand. Um, so that was kind of a, a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. We weren't expecting that. Um, but, you know, our journey with her has just, it's really not been that much different than with any other child. You know, you love them, you take care of them, you do what you need to do. Um she is my only child, so I am able to devote all of my attention to her, which, you know, is is good and bad, you know. <laughs> um, sometimes I do wish that she had a sibling, but, you know, that it, it is what it is. Um, she is in kindergarten. She is doing uh, mainstreamed in a general ed classroom as well as some pullout. So we're now navigating the whole... Uh, going to school and going to school in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole new level there. Um, But she's doing great. You know, academics is one of her strengths. So she's with her class, you know, doing all the beginning letter sounds, you know, early math, those sort of things. She's right there with them doing all the same things. Um, I would say right now her biggest struggle is probably fine motor skills. But, you know, she's working on that. She has a lot of support within the school. Uh, she has a physical therapist. She has an occupational therapist. She has a speech therapist. And she has an amazing special education uh, teacher who works with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we've got a great team that's helping us out. And she is doing wonderfully. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Um, so can you just tell uh, all of us kind of what what is Down syndrome? So Down syndrome is the most common chromosomal abnormality in, you know, in the population. One in a thousand children are born with Down syndrome. Um, and it is, it actually, there's three types of Down syndrome. The first type is the most common type, and that's like 95% have this, and it's called trisomy 21, meaning that they have a third copy of the 21st uh, chromosome. Uh, another type is mosaic, meaning that they have the, the extra chromosome but it's not in all of their cells. So it's in some of them. And the amount varies um, per child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a type called translocation, which is the most rare form, meaning that part of their 21st chromosome has broken off and attached to another um, chromosome. So uh, th- like I said, the most common type is that trisomy 21. 
Um, and that's what most people think of when they think of Down syndrome. Uh, and it does have certain characteristics that uh, you know, everyone who has it shares. Um, they do have an increased risk for some um, health conditions. Heart defects is one of the most common. Um, GI issues. Uh, they do have an increased risk of some cancers. Um, they also frequently have hearing and um, vision issues. So mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of people with Down syndrome wearing glasses. Some may need hearing aids. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the things that affect them also affect many people within the general population. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the uh, advances in medicine that have helped the general population with those issues have also helped people with Down syndrome. And so their life expectancy has just um, increased over the decades, you know, even within the past 50 to 60 years, the life expectancy of someone with Down syndrome has increased by decades. Wow. It used to be that 10 was the life ex expectancy. Um, but now there are people with Down syndrome who are living into their 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 60 is about the norm. Uh -huh. But there are people who, you know, live into their 70s and their 80s. And a lot of that has to do with increased access to medical care, as well as just improvements in just medical care across, you know, the entire mm -hmm. population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So some of those issues that you mentioned, mm -hmm. were you aware of those when Nora was born or are these things that sort of come about as time goes on? You learn some of it. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm an educator, I did know somewhat about Down syndrome when she was born. I, of course, didn't know everything. Um, but I did know some of the things like I was aware that heart issues could be, you know, and, you know, present. Um, and I also knew, of course, about the cognitive and intellectual disabilities aspect of it. But you do, you learn a lot. And one of the ways that I learned a lot of this was through the Down Syndrome Association of Greater Richmond. Um, I was blessed when I was in the hospital delivering Nora, that one of my labor and delivery nurses was a mother who has a child with Down syndrome. Mm. And she, um, when they gave us our diagnosis, she came and spoke with me um, and encouraged me. Because again, we didn't know beforehand. So this was brand new information. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to process. Um, and she came and spoke with me and encouraged me. And then she um, told me that she was involved with DSAGR and um, asked if she could put me in contact with them. And I said yes. And that's one of the best decisions in this whole parenting journey that I made um, was to say yes. And um, they have a program called First Call. And um, when we got home and we were settled at home, um, they came and visited Mm -hmm. So, um, wonderful lady, Cynthia, who came and visited me, brought me, um, you know, kind of a, a congratulations bag and, you know, with some supplies and various things that you might need. And she was really just there to answer questions and to um, kind of be a mentor for me um, and, and give me some support from somebody who'd been there before. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that was just really great. And, you know, through her kind of pulled me into um, the organization and, you know, they are amazing. They offer us so much support and resources that really help, you know, the entire community in this area. And through them, you know, I have a network of, you know, other parents who have children with Down syndrome, and we're all able to kind of, you know, go on this journey together. That is wonderful. Um, can you walk us through those early days? So, you know, how, I know even your face, like, how did that feel? What were some of those thoughts and questions going through your mind? Well, um, the first thing for me, actually, was um, I ended up having a cesarean section that I did not want to have, um, but she was not progressing, so we had to. Uh, and immediately, she was having trouble breathing. So she went to off to the NICU, and then I'm back in my room. So this was, you know, whole birth experience that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting. Um, and then they came to us and said that they thought that she had Down syndrome. And I remember asking, how certain are you? And the doctor looked at me and said, about 99% certain. Um, but we'll do genetic testing just to make sure. What do they base that off of? Uh, things that they can um, see. Um, so one of the other, you know, some of the common physical characteristics are going to be the upslanted eyes. Um, it has to do with the nasal bridge, particularly in babies. It's less formed okay. than it is um, in, in a neurotypical baby. Um, and just various other characteristics that doctors are, you know, adept at seeing. Mm-hmm. To me, she just looked like a beautiful little girl. <laughs> um and so they did the genetic testing, and it co- took a couple days to get that back. Um, in the meanwhile, she was in the NICU for 10 days. She had um, pulmonary hypertension, um, which is also common, mm-hmm. um, and it had to do with you know her lungs. Her heart was enlarged because she wasn't getting enough oxygen, so it was working harder. Um, but within 10 days, she was good to go. She came home on oxygen. Um, and we had to monitor for about seven weeks on oxygen at home. But then after that, she was good to go. Um, but in the beginning, you know, it, the doctor who did my C-section came and brought me, and I, now I wish I had brought it with me, um, read to me a poem called Welcome to Holland. And that poem was about, so the gist of it is, you know, you're going on this magnificent trip that you've planned out. You know, you've thought about it for years and you have dreamed about all the things that you'll do in this trip to Italy. And it's just amazing. And you've, you've cut out pictures of the places you want to go and, you know, you've got it all mapped out, right? And then you get to the airport and they tell you, oh, we don't have any more flights to Italy, but you, you're going to Holland. And you're like, what? what? Holland? Mm-hmm. Holland is not what I planned out. Holland is not where I want to go. Who wants to go to Holland? You know, but then you get there. And yeah, it's a slower pace than Italy. And, you know, there's different things. You didn't have a chance to plan it all out. But 
once you're there, you start to notice the beauty. The tulips are absolutely beautiful. And, you know, you enjoy all the things about Holland. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, sometimes you miss, you know, Italy. And you wonder what would it have been like to have gone to Italy. But Holland is beautiful. And that's kind of the gist of the whole poem. And that really helped me put it in into perspective. Um, so yeah, there is there is an element of grief mm -hmm. because it isn't what you thought it was going to be. This is not what you mapped out in your head. Um, but then there is also the beauty that it is of, you know, doing things at a slower pace. You know, I like to think, you know, my, Nora is my only child and we knew because I was an older mother that she was always going to be my only child. Okay. Um, I had had two miscarriages before her. She was my my lucky number three. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when we, I thought about, you know, so many moms say, you know, it goes by so fast. And, you know, I wish I could have another one because I miss that baby stage. In a way, I got, a much longer baby stage than anybody else. I got to really, really enjoy it. Um, and so for me, that was kind of a gift um, that other moms may not have had. Um, and that's, you know, still doesn't take away sometimes those feelings of what if. Mm -hmm. That's completely natural. Um, but I wouldn't change her for anything. <laughs> Yeah, she's yours. And she's amazing. <laughs> I was going to ask you, so you're leading me to that next question. I was going to ask you, what do you feel like some of those blessings or gifts are that you get because of your daughter's diagnosis? Well, or because of just who she is. She is amazingly affectionate. Like she just... She loves to snuggle. She wants to, you know, climb into my lap all the time. She she is very much, you know, like mama, mama, mama. Um, and, you know, she may have been like that without Down syndrome. I don't know um, because I can't separate the two. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, she is just she's a lover and she brings that to everybody. You know, she is she we're walking down the street or we're in even in the car with the windows rolled up if we're at the stoplight she's like hi hi <laughs> and I'm like baby they can't hear you <laughs> I said maybe if the windows were down then they would listen but it's raining and we're not putting them <laughs> down um and she's very just open and accepting of everybody um She's, she's joyful. She, her laugh is so infectious. Um, and she is just all out there when it comes to just throwing herself into, to loving something. Um, you know, I, again, I get to slow down a little bit and I get to enjoy those, uh, younger years, I think a little bit more so than, you know, other parents might. What, when you say slow down, what does that mean to you? Like, how does that, well, you know, come about in your everyday life? Um, a lot of those stages that kids go through, you know, from, you know, birth to five years, 
they mature rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and because she does have some of those developmental delays, that period is a little bit more drawn out gotcha. for us. Okay. So some of those, you know, things that, you know, children enjoy, like the, you know, building the blocks and, and, you know, playing, you know, various things like that, that you do um, with younger children, we get to do for a little bit longer and enjoy um, because she likes to do some, you know, many of those things. And that's not to say that she doesn't enjoy the, the same things that her five-year-old peers do. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, obsessed with, uh, you know, right now, Corey Carson is her big thing. She loves to watch Corey Carson. Um, but she loves, you know, dancing. She's on a cheer team and she loves dancing to all the songs right now. Um, there's a song, All I Want to Eat is Pizza by Cuckoo Kangaroo. <laughs> she she loves the song. You should see her. As soon as it starts, she's dancing <laughs> and she's got this little routine going. Um, so she just, she loves to do those sort of things too. We're also in, in, uh, Daisy Scouts. Mm -hmm. So she's doing that along with her peers. Um, so that, you know, we enjoy a lot of those same things as well, but we do get to have a little bit of a slower pace in some other areas. Um, another really big plus is we have, like I mentioned before, this big extended network of people who are going through the journey with us that, you know, I would never have met these people mm-hmm. before. Um, yeah, you and, already have a common instant connection in a yes, lot of ways. Yes, and and we come together. So, you know, you know, it's not easy when you get older as a mom to make friends, but I have a built-in support of women and, and some dads, but, mm-hmm. you know, women who, um, you know, we can be friends with each other um, and uh, support our children. Great. Okay, next question. Mm-hmm. Um, do I need a special pediatrician for my baby if they have Down syndrome? So that might be something that um, our listeners might might wonder. No, you don't. Um, we go to a wonderful pediatrician who they have, you know, a, a large practice um, in this area, and they don't have any specialized knowledge. One of the things that I've loved about mine is that they they are open to learning. Um, so any information that I provide them, they are, you know, they look into it, they they learn, mm-hmm. they research. Um, but no, you don't have to have a, a special pediatrician at all. Um, but you do have to be willing to advocate. And that's one of the big things that I um, stress for anybody that has a child with Down syndrome. You know your child the best and you are their strongest advocate. So, you know, speaking up for them because you're their voice when they can't be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot, actually, on this mm-hmm. podcast, um, ad- advocating for yourself mm-hmm. if it's, you know, maybe during your pregnancy or early postpartum yes. days, advocating for your children, for what they may need. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're driving that point mm-hmm. home. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you are the one that knows them the best. You know what's typical, what's not typical. Yes. What they need. Well, and often one of the other... Um, 
issues that you can find with Down syndrome is delayed verbal skills. Um, my daughter Nora can speak, um, and most people can understand exactly what she's saying, but she doesn't necessarily speak in full sentences unless we make her, <laughs> which we're working on. <laughs> um, so they will often not um, use full sentences, or um, some children just may be nonverbal completely and you know at this at the same age she is mm-hmm. um and so really you do end up being their voice um to help them get whatever it is that they need and to you know kind of navigate situations okay mm-hmm. so similar to the pediatrician did mm-hmm. she need any special um any special resources or um educators or anything along that way so we were connected with early intervention um which as a parent you can self-refer so as soon as you get you know that diagnosis as soon as they're born you're eligible for early intervention and that's through the state um so you contact your your city or county's community services board um and then they actually your therapists come to you, mm-hmm. which is nice because it's in the home and that's up until they turn three. Um, so you get a caseworker who comes and does an evaluation and kind of determines, and you have a whole team that determines what are the services that your child needs if they're eligible. Um, and then those therapists, you know, work with you in the home. And we had amazing therapists that we worked with. Um, We had occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy. Um, And actually, I'm still in touch with um, her occupational therapist. We're friends now um, because she was just with us for so long. Mm -hmm. And I've actually even reached out to her former speech therapist when I had a question and we were kind of in between. And she, of course, gave me advice. And um, so they're a wonderful resource. And then once they turn three, then their services move over to the local school system. Um, and then you, you call the schools and set up to have an IEP. Mm-hmm. And then they are eligible for early childhood special education. Um, so, so it could be some of those same therapists and then maybe some yes, additional in the school setting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so another question would be, will my child with Down syndrome be able to live a normal life? Yes. There are many children, well, I shouldn't say children, adults with Down syndrome who are living um, independently. Um, Some of them live in kind of a supported housing environment where they may live in like a group home situation. Um, So they're living with other um, individuals who have, you know, needs for support. And then there is a a support person who's also there um, to kind of make sure that things get taken care of. But for the most part, they're living on their own. Um, There are other um, adults with Down syndrome who live with their families. Um, and they have, you know, differing degrees of independence within their family. Um, my dream, and my husband will hear this and go, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, my dream for Nora is that by the time she's an adult, we're old enough to, ha- we're in a position where we can have a, um, like a mother-in-law suite. 
where she can have her own part of the house that's hers mm-hmm. um, and that she can live, you know, kind of independently that way, but still with with us nearby. Um, but that's only if she wants it. She may not want that. She may want to live on her own. Um, so, you know, there are varying degrees and it all has to do, you know, every child has, you know, varying abilities. Um, and so that's the same within Down syndrome. There are going to be some um, people with Down syndrome who are, you know, able to you know, live an independent life and manage and have this necessary skills and capabilities to handle all of that. And then there are going to be those who can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the same with any child. So, yeah, but they can and they do. Right. That's true. It's hard at a, at a five as a five year old to yeah. know what what her life would be like. But then even as a neurotypical five year old, mm-hmm. hard to know what you that what know. that one's going to be like. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, um, if you were speaking to a mom right now who maybe, um, got that genetic testing, mm-hmm. maybe they're pregnant and they have that genetic mm-hmm. testing, or maybe that baby has the sweet little baby has arrived and they have this mm-hmm. surprise. What, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, don't be afraid. Yeah, I... I've had a different journey than a lot of um, others. I, I purposely did not choose to do genetic testing. Uh, and I actually, m- my gynecologist, who was my OB, she, she reminds me of this. When I told her that I was turning down the genetic testing, I looked at her and I said, it doesn't, you know, because I know that, that most, of the de- most of the testing is done to determine if they have Down syndrome or not. Um, that's the big push of it. Um, and I looked at her and I said, Down syndrome is not a death sentence. So it doesn't matter if she has it because she's coming whether she has it or not. Um, and she looked at, you know, she was very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my advice to a mom who has done the genetic testing and has found out, don't be afraid. Um, because, yes. Your child could have some health issues, but they could not as well. Um, And there's going to be challenges, but there's challenges to raising any child. You can never know, you know, before a child is born, what challenges that they're going to face in life. Um, And just because a child has Down syndrome does not necessarily mean that their life journey is going to be better or worse than any other child, regardless of what they genetic material they're born with. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you don't, don't borrow trouble, which is hard to do. Um, And for those who receive a birth diagnosis, like I did, um, I think my advice would be, it is okay to grieve for a little bit because that's natural. That's human. Again, your life plan is changing. Right. Like you thought you were going to Italy. Yep. You thought you were going to Italy and you're in Holland. Um, And take that time to process that because you do, you have Mm -hmm. to process it. Um, And it's okay. You know, sometimes you got to go back and reprocess that. You know, I, I have to say, you know, sometimes when I see her with, neurotypically developing peers, 
I have to step back for a moment and, and, and deal with those feelings that I might have of, um, you know, that this you know, certain thing is more challenging for her to do than it is for them. Mm -hmm. um, or this is not something that she's going to be able to do right now. And they are. Um, and I, you know, I let myself feel that. But then I remind myself, she will be able to do those things. It's just not right now. Okay. And that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great perspective yeah. to have. It's not as if you're comparing these two children and all is lost for her. You know, yeah. she will be able to do what this other child mm -hmm. is doing, just maybe down the line and yep. with some therapies and, yep. and uh, yeah, just a little extra time. And, and, you know, maybe it might not be something that she can do. And that's okay, too, because not everybody can do the same thing. Right. You know? <laughs> If, if we all were exactly even on the playing field, it would be a very boring place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, does she notice that she um, maybe is different or has like some challenges so. that other kids? Okay. Um, I don't think that she notices. We do openly talk to her that she, you know, she has Down syndrome. Um and but I don't know that she yet grasps what that means mm -hmm. for her. Um, but we'll continue to just talk to her about it as if, you know, it, it, because it is a natural part of her. Um, but I don't like I said, I don't know that she really recognizes that that's something that makes her different. Mm -hmm. um, I do know sometimes ability wise, she will occasionally um express frustration but you know like the other day they're working on sight words which she is amazing at she's been doing sight words for like two years now mm -hmm. um but they're starting to try to string those together to actually read you know these small books and she was because so she can read those but then she was holding like a regular book and she was like i can't and i was like what what can't you do i can't read it and she was so frustrated with herself that she couldn't read it. I was like, but Nora, those are words you haven't learned yet. Mm -hmm. And you're going to. But let's look over here at what you can read. And we read one of her little books that she, you know, contains her sight words. Um, so, but, you know, that would be a frustration that any kindergartner mm -hmm. at this stage would have. Because oh, yeah. they are just learning all the words. Um, so uh, she is showing kind of that metacognition of recognizing now what she doesn't know so maybe in the not too distant future she might kind of make a connection that you know she has down syndrome and that that's different i don't know mm -hmm. we'll see yeah so with it being down syndrome awareness month yes um is there anything you would like to share with our listeners um just, you know, maybe it's not their child, but maybe it's a child that they see at the park or maybe yes. it's a child that is in their family. Like mm -hmm. what what kind of information would you like for them to know? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> um, first, children with Down syndrome are more alike other children than they are different. I know today we've we've talked a lot about some of the differences, but for the most part, 
they're still like my daughter is still a five and a half year old and you know she loves many of the same things that other children who are five and a half love and she loves to do those things Mm -hmm. um you know she she plays with the same toys all those sort of things she loves that you know she loves that um so treating them like you would another child you know don't don't talk about them. Talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you would another child. Um, and I would say, don't be afraid to ask questions. None of us in the Down syndrome community mind asking questions. Um, we we love it, and we we love to help educate other young children, so that because they're going to have questions. Mm-hmm. You know, that's natural. Um, and we're not bothered by those questions. Um, the other is please include them as much as you possibly can because they are going to bring you so much joy and such a different perspective on things, such a unique perspective. So please don't discount that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they may help you see things in a way that you never did before. Um, so I think that those are kind of the, the biggest things for me is um, don't be afraid to include them. Um, right. So that's making me think, I'm sorry, this almost seems like a no, dumb question. Okay. But, um, you know, say you are doing an independent play date. So like your daughters, mm-hmm. to me, getting at that age where you could just drop them off at someone's house for an hour or two. And um, are those like, like, that's fine, right? There's no, I would say would that, be- that that all depends on you mm-hmm. and your comfort level. Um, and also your relationship with the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some people who I, I might consider doing that with. Um, and then, but for the most part, I would probably stay with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not outside the realm of possibility for anybody. Um, it all depends on the relationship that you've yeah. already established. And, you know, because you want them to be comfortable as well. I, I would never want to put anybody in a situation where, they're uncomfortable, um, you know, taking care of my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, she's pretty much the same as most other kids. She just needs assistance with things. Again, it's where those fine motor skills for her come into play. Mm-hmm. So anytime that fine motor skills come into play, she's going to need help. Right. Yeah. So as long as you're, you've got that trust relationship, mm-hmm. you're willing and able, you maybe know what that challenge is. Maybe yep. Like, okay, it's the fine motor. Okay. So me as the mom, I need to be aware of that, that yes. I can't just hand them a, you know, yeah. a applesauce pouch and you got to help her yeah, open yeah, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then make sure she doesn't shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> she likes that. Again, same, same yeah. with, with all kids. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Um, anything else, Lauren, that we missed that you want to make sure to, um, tell everyone out there? Um, trying to think if there's anything that we missed, we went over quite a bit. Um, 
October 16th is Step Up for Down Syndrome. We're doing a 5K walk. And then afterwards, we're doing a um, kind of like a family festival. Um, anyone is welcome to come and attend. Anyone is welcome to join the walk. Um, and that's helped to help raise awareness as well as to raise funds for DSAGR to help fund the programs that they do throughout okay. the year. So that's the, like the local Richmond organization. Yes. Um, I would assume there's a national organization. There is. Um, and there's actually quite a few different ones. Um, there is, uh, you know, a national Down syndrome, um, trying to remember, NDSS, trying to remember exactly what it sounds, stands for. Um, but then there are other organizations that kind of pop up. There's another one called um, DSDN uh, that helps to connect parents a lot. Um, I belong to a Facebook group of um, other moms that had children born around the same time. So we're kind of all going through the same stages together. But then they have other, like there's a Facebook group specifically for those who are dealing with like potty training issues. Mm -hmm. There's another one for like educational issues. Um, there's another one for getting help with, um, you know, speech issues, you know, various things. So there's kind of those niche groups mm -hmm. um, that you can get support and those draw from um, actually even internationally. There are some um, people who belong to some of those groups who are overseas as well. So there, there is a, a wide network support um, just, you know, at the national and even international level. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great yeah. to think about. So we've got like our local organization. Mm -hmm. We have listeners all across the country and hopefully the world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's really neat to know that they can reach out and then it could even dial down into to their local organization. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So remember, it is the most common chromosomal abnormality. So, you know, there's a lot more people with Down syndrome around you than you may even be aware of. Um, and it's not like in the past where, you know, those people would be kept at home or institutionalized. They are out and proud in the community um, and people are seeing them more and more um, included and, and part of everyday life as they should be. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your story and sharing about Nora. She sounds wonderful. She oh, sounds absolutely you. amazing. Well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. <laughs>